Hello and welcome to the History of Colonization podcast. My name is Fidelity and this is episode 9 of the podcast titled Aden and Hormuz. So in the last episode, we looked at the significance of spices and the spice islands otherwise known as Maluku in 1512. So at the end of the last episode, I said I would talk about Ferdinand Magellan, but what I was actually intending to do too was talk about the Portuguese arrival in Western Asia in that episode. But because it's so often been mentioned as a side note when we talk about the history of Portuguese colonization, I thought I might as well just dedicate one episode to just talking about the Portuguese arrival in West Asia instead. To recap, we've looked at the Portuguese colonization of Goa in 1510, Malacca in 1511, and in 1512, the Spice Islands. Now, you have to understand that these are not simply places rich in resources or spices and so on, but when you look at all these places in a broader geographical and historical context, what you see is an emerging empire across the globe, with the Portuguese managing to control key nodal points in transportation and communication. Now, the control of key coastal positions to gain a foothold in commerce is part of the nature of colonization, especially for the Portuguese. I previously mentioned in the episode on Goa in episode 6 that the existing trade route from India up to the Red Sea and to the Mediterranean was controlled by Venetian and Egyptian merchants. And so it obviously comes as no surprise that once Portugal had conquered Goa and established trade with India, and also conquered Malacca and the Spice Islands, thereby establishing trade with China in Southeast Asia, and also an attempted monopoly on certain spices, the Portuguese would then turn to disrupting trade and establishing a position in the Red Sea. And this brings us to the topic of today's episode. We're going to look at two places located in two seas in Western Asia. First, Aden, which is a port city in modern-day Yemen, located at the entrance of the Red Sea, and also Hormuz Island in modern-day Iran located in the Persian Gulf. And at this point, it would be good if you had a map that you could refer to while I'm talking about Aden or Hormuz, or you could go on my blog to look at the maps I've posted there instead. So, notice the locations of these places. They're both located at or near gateways leading towards the Middle East or the Mediterranean. As I mentioned before, these were key coastal points that the Portuguese were interested in. So in the first part, we'll look at Aden first, and after the break, we'll touch on Hormuz. By 1513, Portuguese general Afonso de Albuquerque, I'm so sorry if I've butchered his name again, um, but I'll just call him Albuquerque from now on. Albuquerque had been busy with Goa and Malacca, but now he turned his attention up north towards the Red Sea in order to dominate the trading route. The Portuguese, and to some extent the Spanish, had been somewhat haphazard in the early days of colonization and in the stages of, quote, discovery, they had been lending and establishing forts in places of little economic or political importance. In fact, I'd say they were somewhat improvising and making up their next moves as they went along. But Albuquerque had had enough experience by 1513 to know that it was more resource efficient to simply control centres of commerce, and so he set his sights on Aden. Aden, besides being located near the entrance to the Red Sea, well, it's not quite at the mouth of the Red Sea, but it's pretty near. It was already a bustling commercial hub at the time. And of course, religion also played a part. The Red Sea was an entrance to Mecca and Medina, and the Portuguese monarchy was eager to destroy these Muslim holy sites. So, some interesting facts about Aden. It's currently the temporary capital of Yemen since 2015, 
and its natural harbour is in fact the crater of a dormant volcano. The name of the original port town then is to no one's surprise, Crater. But anyway, before the Portuguese came, Aden emerged as a trading centre in the late 9th to early 10th century, which was way before Malacca, which emerged at the start of the 15th century. But Aden was comparable to Malacca in terms of importance. While Malacca was a hub for trade in Southeast Asia and between India and China, Aden also saw the exchange of goods from India and Southeast Asia. So you would get goods like silks, spices, sandalwood, and so on from Malacca and further east. And this would stop over at Gujarat before sailing to Aden. Aden was also an export hub for gold, copper, woolen cloths, wheat, rice, and even Arabian horses to India. Interestingly, while Malacca had almost no city walls or boundaries, Aden actually had natural fortifications. It was perfect for defence. It was surrounded on three sides by jagged peaks, and the only thing that the rulers had to do was build a wall at a site facing the water. But instead, they decided to build towers too in the peaks, which was utterly useless and too far away to offer any real protection. And apparently, quote, puzzled and faintly amused the Portuguese when they arrived in 1513. But Aden was not the only major port in the Red Sea. There was also Jeddah and Mocha, which Mocha coffee is incidentally named after. But Aden was the port that was closest to India, and so the Portuguese took notice of it. The Portuguese had already been the Red Sea before. Albuquerque had taken over the island of Socrata in 1507, but it was too far from the Red Sea to have any strategic importance, and it was quickly abandoned in 1510. Following the Battle of Diu in 1509, when the Portuguese won against the Gujaratis, the Egyptians, and the ruler of Calicut, the Portuguese became confident that they could defeat the Mamluk sultans of Egypt, who dominated the Red Sea. And so in 1513, Albuquerque sailed for the Red Sea with about 20 ships and 2,700 men, with orders from the Portuguese king Manuel I to conquer Aden and attack the Egyptian forces. Albuquerque decided that the best plan to conquer Aden would be to scale the city wall which ran along the seafront, and so his soldiers sailed to the shore in their small boats, bringing along wide ladders which could accommodate up to six men side by side. The forces in Aden knew of the impending attack of course, they could see it from their castle walls, but they wanted to engage the Portuguese within their walls instead, since it would protect them from Portuguese artillery, and so they waited. And as it turns out, they didn't really have to do anything. The ladders which the Portuguese soldiers had brought actually broke under their own weights when they started climbing up. Well, or at least this was according to Portuguese sources. Arabic sources simply mentioned that the ladders were seized by the forces of Aden. Either way, Albuquerque retreated with his forces, intending to attack Jeddah instead, but unfavourable winds forced him to the Cameron Islands for some time before he returned to Goa. Albuquerque was ambitious though. He wrote to the Portuguese king in December 1513, writing about the potential occupation of Jeddah. Quote, Once Jeddah was won, there would be neither a house nor an inhabitant left in Mecca, and it is granted that they will abandon it since it is merely a day's journey from Jeddah. In my opinion, sir, the issue of Mecca is an easy thing. Its destruction can be rapidly accomplished. Unquote. Albuquerque was obviously undefeated in tone, but he also severely underestimated the military prowess of the Portuguese. Albuquerque would never conquer Aden. He died a few years later in 1515, and the Portuguese would never gain domination over the Red Sea like he had so desired. 
1517, the Mamluk sultans were defeated by the Ottoman forces, and they gained control of Egypt and the Red Sea. The Ottoman forces were much better equipped than the Mamluks, and they also had much richer resources too, and also a willingness to preemptively attack rather than defend. So there was little chance, after 1517, that the Portuguese would be able to control trade in the Red Sea, and they never did. After the break, I'll cover Homer's. Hormuz Island, or Hormuz in Portuguese, or Hormuz in Arabic, or Jarun during the Islamic period, depending on which name you prefer, Hormuz Island was located in the narrow streets of Hormuz, between the Gulf of Oman and the Persian Gulf. It's somewhat near modern-day Dubai, just across the streets, and it's covered with red sand, reminiscent of Mars, and beautiful rocky cliffs. Hormuz differed from Aden. It was founded in 1300, and the island was infertile and salinated, with a population of around 50,000 people by the end of the 1400s, but it was also easily defendable from any land invasions. Hormuz Island thus became the center of the Kingdom of Hormuz, an independent Persian sultanate. Because Hormuz was located in the crossroads of the Persian world, the Arab world, and the Indian world, there were different communities of people to be found. There were Gujarati and Iranian merchants, Jewish traders, Persians, Armenians, Russians, and so on. Over half of total revenues for the kingdom came from the trade to India, which involved travel and caravans across the Persian deserts to Egypt and then the Mediterranean, and taxes were relatively low at around 5-10%. to But the rulers of Hormuz were not totally dependent on trade. In fact, its rulers didn't actually own any ships or directly participate in trade. They collected tribute from their various dominions on the mainland as part of their profits. Albuquerque had been instructed to attack Aden, but he invaded Hormuz in 1507 instead because he thought it was less risky than attacking the more fortified Aden. With seven ships and less than 500 men, he destroyed the navy of Hormuz and forced the Sultan to accede to his request to build a fortress. This would fail though, with his own men rebelling against him. They simply wanted to loot and sell off, not build a fortress in the hot sun in the middle of nowhere. So Albuquerque failed with the fortress building and sailed off to India in 1508. But Albuquerque never forgot Hormuz. In March 1515, about a year or so after the attempted invasion of Aden, he sailed to Hormuz again, with 3,000 men this time. And yet again, this wasn't the usual invasion. The current sultan was the younger brother of the previous sultan, who had been ruling Hormuz when Albuquerque had invaded a few years prior. And there was a new Persian minister who was trying to convert the kingdom and the new sultan into a Persian tributary. Now, Albuquerque didn't want that, of course. He wanted Hormuz for the Portuguese, not the Persians, and so he interceded. Albuquerque decided to invite the sultan of Hormuz and his new Persian minister to a meeting. I say meeting, but in a way it was more like the ill-fated weddings in Game of Thrones. Both Albuquerque and the Persian minister brought their own armed soldiers to this meeting. What could go wrong? Well, they had agreed not to bring weapons beforehand, but both sides had violated it, of course. And when Albuquerque accused the minister of this violation, the minister then pulled out his sword in anger. But Portuguese soldiers stabbed him to death before he could even reach Albuquerque, essentially forcing the young Sultan of Hormuz to submit to the Portuguese. And he promptly signed the treaty surrendering 
homage to the Portuguese king. The young sultan and the subsequent sultans that came after him had to pay a yearly sum or tribute to the Portuguese crown in order to stay in power, although how much power the sultan actually had was very debatable. With the gradual diminishing of the local sultan's powers, the Portuguese eventually gained total control of Hormuz in 1543, and they collected all the customs tax which had once gone to the sultan. The sultan and his family were thus reduced to pensioners of the Portuguese crown, and they became sovereigns in name, only until Hormuz fell in 1622. While on his part, Abukeke did manage to finish the fortress he had started in 1507, which was known as the Fort of Our Lady of the Conception, or the more simpler term, the Portuguese castle. And its ruins are still standing today on Hormuz Island. So those were the stories of Albuquerque and the Portuguese and their attempted takeover of Aden in 1513, and their colonization of Hormuz in 1515. But what's the significance of all of these stories? They were trading ports, yes, but I could cover many examples of places that the Portuguese invaded or attempted to colonize and the list could go on and on. What these two events did was to mark the rise of the importance of the Persian Gulf to the Portuguese Empire. Because the Portuguese had failed to intercept the trade in the Red Sea, and because they had failed to conquer Aden, Albuquerque turned to the Gulf, to Hormuz, although he was also there for unfinished business, the fortress building. So spices that were intended to go through the Red Sea were directed through the Gulf instead. This was first pepper at the start of Portuguese colonization, but eventually this became cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, and maize, which were exclusively from the Spice Islands. After the 1550s, when the Portuguese had took complete control of Hormuz, the Gulf became the second biggest source of income for the Portuguese empire after Goa in India. And this would continue until Diu rose to prominence in the beginning of the 1600s. But here's another question you might have though. Why not just use the newly discovered Cape route and transport spices across the Cape of Good Hope to Portugal? Well, that was what the Portuguese had a monopoly on, but the custom taxes on the existing routes used by Asian merchants proved to be a lucrative source of income too. And the Portuguese, of course, wanted a share of that. Beyond economic control, the Gulf was also significant in Portuguese colonization because it served as the front line against the Ottomans and the Omanis, perceived Muslim enemies. Hormuz in particular served as the base for protecting Portuguese colonies in India and Western Asia, where the Portuguese were surrounded by Muslims. Hormuz was tasked on the peripheries of the Portuguese Empire along with Malacca and Mozambique, but it could not have been more necessary to Portuguese colonization, both strategically and also metaphorically, as a place of unspoiled riches. Here I quote from the book The Persian Gulf in History that best explains this. Quote, Hormuz had established its prestige among the Portuguese as a place to defend the empire from the Turk, and mainly as a source of incredible wealth for those fortunate officials who had received an office there. Officially, its well-being reflected that of Estado da India as a whole, which explains why the loss of Hormuz in 1622 was singled out as the leading cause of the collapse of Portuguese trade and power in Asia. It was in fact just another symptom but that was the image that has survived for posterity, I could. And with this, I'm concluding this episode on Aden and Hormuz, and I'll definitely cover Magellan in the next episode. Thank you for listening, and do follow this podcast for more updates if you haven't. Also, check out my WordPress at hocpodcast.wordpress.com, 
and follow me on Twitter, hoc underscore pod. Bye for now.